This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. States are throwing around a lot of incentives right now to try and get people to get a coronavirus vaccine shot. Recently, the state of West Virginia started offering $100 savings bonds to people ages 16 to 35 if they would get a vaccine. And from the economic perspective, the total amount that the state of West Virginia might pay out in bonds, $27.5 million, would be far less than what they'd already spent on testing, some $75 million. Meanwhile, the state of Connecticut has set up a network of, believe it or not, bars and restaurants where you can get a free drink if you show your vaccination cards. So this idea of incentives for vaccinations is one that is seemingly drawing a lot of attention right now as we try and increase the amount of vaccines that are sent out and we try and reach herd immunity. Yvonne Barake is a management professor at the Wharton School, and he joins us to discuss the impact of incentives in getting these shots done. He's also done research in this area. Yvonne, great to talk to you again. Hello. Good morning. How are you today? I'm, I'm doing very well. Let's start with your research and, and tell us what you were looking at and what you found out. Yes. So, uh, well, thanks for about this because this is such a, an important time for uh, understanding on how to get the remaining uh, number of people vaccinated. And uh, it is really important to fully explore all the possible options. So I, I want to apologize. I'm trying to be funny and <laughs> engaging, but I have to be a, a little bit academic here because it is important to understand why we typically use incentives. And there are two principal reasons why we are using monetary incentives in, in all aspects. First, uh, we pay people so that they do something instead of their best alternative option. So this is what we call um, the opportunity cost. So incentives are there to convince people to do something um, that is better and that makes it more desirable for them to do it than what they would do instead. So for instance, you, you are here together with me in an interview, what would it cost me to pay you to do something different? You know, what is what would then what what would it take for you to do that and that is typically mm-hmm. a lot of money and that is uh, not what we are talking about here when we are thinking about vaccines for um, providing incentives for for vaccines um, because think about ohio they just offered uh, five lotteries i think of a million dollar each per week and uh, there are over 8 million um, adults um, in ohio so even at that level this would equate to roughly $1 uh, of expected payouts uh, per adult in Ohio. So the incentives are are really, really small. So they're not designed to bribe people to abandon everything else that they have. So the other Mm -hmm. use case of why we use incentives is a behavioral one, which is that people, you know, um, have difficulty making decisions over time. They are time inconsistent. So they're doing something now and later on, they uh, look back into their decisions in the past and then they feel regret or remorse for not having done that. So they rank preferences differently in different points in time. And incentives have been used a lot uh, in to, for that specific use case, which is to see whether incentives can be, helped, can be used to help people overcome behavioral problems of inattention, of time inconsistency. And so there, I uh, as well have done um, multiple NIH-funded clinical trials in that domain. And uh, unfortunately, um, the idea was great, but the empirical evidence shows that 
the effects uh, are not there. Um, so the incentives, when we use them to help people overcome these behavioral inconsistency problems, they actually are not effective in getting them to do uh, healthful decisions. And that is uh, a big disappointment to all of us because we thought, you know, that would be great because incentives are easy to deliver and they're also sure. good for the other side because the, the advantage of money is that people can do whatever they want with it. Um, you know, it's fungible. Right. You can buy milk with it or you can buy, pay your mortgage with it. But unfortunately, the evidence is just not there to show that these incentives are useful to convince people to do um, healthful decisions. So and um, if I may the... just continue that. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Ivan, because part of the story has been right now that you know, we obviously had a surge in people getting their shots, uh, you know, early on when they were first available. And there has been a concern of, you know, we get to a certain point in this process and it becomes much harder to get the vaccinations uh, completed. And that's part of why the states, in many cases, see the need to bring these incentives forward is trying to get from, say, 50 percent of adults vaccinated to that 70 or 75 percent plateau that a lot of people believe would get you that herd immunity. Exactly. And that is a, you know, that is a wonderful segue to to the next really important point that I want to raise, which is, uh, like you said, we have to think about who are the people who are not yet vaccinated and are what we economists would call are at the margin, you know, who are who have not done it yet, but, you know, who are very close to do it. You know, what would it take to convince those people to do it? Because I understand, you know, there are some people who get vaccinated no matter what. And there are some people who will not get vaccinated no matter what. I mean, they're just they just don't move in their position. So who are the people at the margin? And here again, I've, I've just published another paper where we actually interviewed people uh, who participated in my studies where we use financial incentives and ask them, you know, what's going on? You know, why, why did you do well in my study or why did you not do well in my study? So we interviewed people who did not improve in their healthful uh, decisions. Um, and what we find out is that those people, they said, yes, I saw the incentives and, you know, they were really, um, they were really interesting, but they just couldn't act on them. And the reason why they couldn't act on them is that the reason why they're not making helpful decisions um, and those people at the margin are those who have actually very complex living conditions. You know, they have they live in um, poorer, poorer neighborhoods. They have financial difficulties. They have jobs that are with um, um, difficult planning around it, you know, because they can't choose when they're working. They have comorbidities, meaning they have other diseases that they need to manage. So their, their life is just really, really complicated. So, again, the, the money is not, <laughs> it's not enough to help them overcome all those other problems uh, at the same time to get them to go and get vaccinated. So the, the critical lesson is that we need to understand who are those people who are not yet vaccinated. What will it take to help those people? And they don't need, really need convincing. They just need assistance in, in you know, many other ways that they are challenged with their life. So we need to take those problems seriously. And, and help people overcome those, those issues. And, you know, I don't know what the solution for that is, but the socioeconomic reasons are the principal ones of why people are not getting vaccinated. It's not that they're too lazy or they, uh, they, they just need a little bit of a financial impetus. We need to help them to how to figure out how they can integrate the vaccine appointment into the complex life that they're leading. Let me throw one in there as well, Yvonne, because... Uh, my three kids got their vaccinations, uh, first fast vaccinations over the weekend, and there was no Excellent. financial incentives. They got them at, at their schools 
There was no financial yeah. incentive, but my incentive was bigger to make sure that my kids had the vaccines and that they would be protected to a degree when they were going into school or if they were going to summer camp this year. So while there's a there's a financial element that obviously some people see in terms of kids right now, I think the incentives are, are much larger. Yeah. And make no mistake, everybody has a massive incentive to get vaccinated. I mean, if you if you have a bad episode of COVID, you're basically wiped out for two weeks and, you know, your productivity will suffer. Uh, and, you know, if you have uh, lasting um, consequences on your health, you know, they are really expensive to manage. And, you know, let alone the, the risk of, of, of dying, you know, if, you know, if I uh, were to get COVID and, and I died, that would be a, an enormous burden on my wife and on my children. And so the incentives are very strong and real. Um, you know, let's, let's not forget that. Um, yeah. Again, the incentives are often designed for people to, to, uh, to focus more on the present, you know, because these, these benefits are perhaps diffuse and, you know, you don't, you know, you get vaccinated, you don't really feel anything. Um, so they are a little bit abstract in many ways. And many people struggle with the abstractness of a vaccine and why it was available so quickly. But, the, but again, you know, when we use incentives uh, to overcome those intertemporal con- inconsistency issues, they, they're actually not that effective. I mean, yeah. and I, I want to just pause here and say, you know, I would love uh, the state of Pennsylvania handing out everybody $100 bills uh, because, you know, <laughs> I, 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 especially in these days, you know, um, any, any money that people can use for consumption would be great for the economy. But they won't really be effective in, in raising vaccination rates because to raise vaccination rates, we have to engage with the socioeconomic barriers that people are facing to get vaccinated. Yvonne, great to have you with us. Thanks very much for your insight. We wish you all the best and we will talk to you again down the road. Yeah, I look forward to that. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yvonne Byron Kay, a management professor at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.